Hello and the warmest of welcomes to the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom and just like always, I'm joined by directors Mel Kanarek and Chris Diamond. Today we're also here with Ben Carlin, co-director of Megaverse, an immersive content studio that makes immersive and interactive experiences. That's two immersives in a very close uh, period. It's all about um, immersive, ex- immersive and interactive experiences for VR, AR, XR and physical applications. Ben is also one of the co-organisers of the Immersive Sheffield Meetup. Sweet. Hello, Ben. <laughs> Hello. Hello, you two. Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, before we get cracking, we need to say thank you as always to Rebel Base Media. Um, they're here at the Tech Parks in Sheffield, Sheffield Technology Parks. It's a dedicated podcasting studio for the city. You can also pay them for production help. They run a podcasting hosting service called Captivate.fm and various other podcasting related stuff too. So thanks for them for letting us use this space. And um, let's go. Ben, thanks for coming. And uh, no worries. as always, we start with a little potted history from you, if that's all right. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, yeah, just uh, kind of how I got into all this uh, virtual reality type yeah, stuff. Yeah, what, what's, your, what's your background? We'll start with GCSEs, if that's all right. <laughs> right, okay. We're going, going back there. So, grew up in Cornwall. Um, oh, did you? Always, yeah. Uh, yeah, in the southwest. Um, although I was born in Sheffield, but anyway. Um, and I guess I've always been quite into theatre and storytelling, uh, watched a lot of theatre in Cornwall, got, did a lot of musical theatre, no, uh, a lot of shows. Um, but whilst I was doing all of that, in the background of all of that was uh, my dad pottering away in the garage making robots. Uh, and that was just always there. And I was kind of a little bit involved. I always used, you know, unscrewing things and stuff. And when I was 11, went on Robot Wars uh, got to the semi-finals. <laughs> I've just changed all of my questions for the project. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. right. Uh, yeah, so we did really well on Robot Wars, actually, but it was the last series they aired, and I was so gutted because um, they had approached us because they were going to make a toy of our robot. And that's all I wanted. I didn't really care about the robot at this point. I just wanted to go into Toy Master and buy St. Agro. As a t- but because um, it was the last series they made, we I didn't get that. Was that your robot, St. Agro? Yeah, St. Agro from St. Agnes in Cornwall. Oh. Yeah. But like um, there is a version two in the pipeline, um, even though that the BBC have now decommissioned uh, the new Robot Wars. Again. Again. <laughs> um, there is uh, a new robot that's been built in Sheffield called Scar. Um, Steel, I think it's Steel City Agro ah. is the new one, but um, yeah, but, but we've got a program to compete. Yeah. On with. Uh, I think they, I think they want to take it to either China or America because okay. the the show's really big over over there. Um, so yeah, it kind of had all that robot <laughs> stuff going on, uh, but I was still very much I want to be an actor. I want to go into theatre and that do all of that sort of thing. So I went to um, London to study drama at Kingston. Did three years of that. Um, and I th- when I was doing that, I kind of got exposed to sort of immersive theatre, which is very different from just when you're sitting down and watching a theatre play um, and you're quite passive as a spectator. It, with immersive theatre, you've, you've kind of got agency and you've got a role or you can explore the set and it's all about evoking all the senses. It's like secret cinema. Yes, type. secret cinema stuff, punch drunk. Yeah, um, They're the kind of two big, big names that do this. Um, and I, yeah, I got really, really excited about, uh, doing more of that kind of theater stuff. And in my third year of uni, uh, the development kit one, um, virtual reality headset called, um, the Oculus Rift before it was bought by, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, um, was just coming out. And I could, I just sort of put these two ideas together of evoking all the senses and <clears throat> immersive experiences 
and VR. And I, I got obsessed with this idea of being able to record 3D record actors and then place them into these virtual environments and have these immersive experiences. And, and that was really the start of it, really. Uh, third year of uni. Um, then I was going to do an MA in digital theatre, but it was quite expensive. And I, I whilst uh, I was at uni, my parents moved from Cornwall back to Sheffield. And so then I moved um, to Sheffield with them for a little bit and found a job at um, a, th- a place called Theatre Delhi in Sheffield. Yeah, yeah. And what was great there was I could uh, earn a little bit of money doing some venue managing, but I they let me just experiment kind of combining virtual reality and theater. And then some guys from DocFest came up and saw some of my work. And then they, then I got to work uh, for the alternate reality strand of DocFest because they really liked what I was doing. And it's just sort of spiraled from there, really. Brilliant. So it turned out Sheffield was a really good place to be experimenting <laughs> uh, with this stuff. You know, that, you know what, the early days um, of Theatre Delhi, it was just amazing because there's so many artists now that are quite... Um, so Sam that run, runs Migration Matters Festival in Sheffield, there's loads of us, um, the Bear Project, uh, that all started kind of in this little theatre, just like hatching all these different ideas. Yeah, yeah. And what used to be Woolworths. What used to be Woolworths on the moor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was this really weird and wonderful building. And again, it had that kind of immersive theatre quality where lots of different rooms and you would just put a play on or, um, yeah, it was a really, really good sort of creative time. And there was no pressure to just uh, make something amazing. It was more actually, no, let's just experiment and, and play with ideas. So that was really the sort of, sort of the start and Theatre Delhi sort of supported me. And then um, people just started to get to know that I was doing VR and storytelling um, in the city. And I started doing some work with Opus Independence who do the Now Then magazine um, mm. on their poetry section. Started doing like 360 videos meets spoken word. Um, and that kind of okay. stuff for off the shelf festival. Um, yeah. So that was that as, cause you, you set up epiphany. Didn't yeah. You? Yeah. So the company that we've now got is a uh, megaverse and this is still our first year of trading. Um, but before that I was a company, so megaverse, yeah, me and, uh, business partner, John, who's, uh, in London, epiphany VR was just me. Yeah. And then I just kind of, uh, depending on the different projects we did, I just kind of brought different freelancers, in to work with me to, to make them happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, then that just sort of transitioned into being Megaverse. Um, and John's just like, yeah, we, we were, we're quite good for each other because he's uh, got kind of an, quite an engineering brain, but he's also quite creative. Whereas I'm, uh, <laughs> I do a lot of these kind of things as well. He hates to- talking. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You're more of the front man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was actually um, with the National Youth Theatre, uh, with this kind of new show that we've been working on. There was one day that I couldn't go to the theater and John had to like talk to all the actors and the creative team. And he said, Ben, what have you done? Why, <laughs> why have you put me through this? I'm like, I'm so sorry. But, so have you had to learn a bunch of technical skills and how have you gone about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I've never been, I think that's the thing. It's like, it's kind of being brazen enough to just sort of, do it and like there's enough youtube tutorials out there to pick up a lot of these things you know i'm no i'm not a coder but i do know how to use unity fairly proficiently and there's lots of kind of um visual scripting tools you can use now like playmaker and and things like that so you, you don't have to be a real um yeah like c sharp coder to be able to learn the tools um 
but you need to know them enough to be, be able to communicate with the team that you're working with. Yeah. yeah. And that's, know what's possible and, and how to get it. And yeah. And quite a lot of the time. What takes time and what doesn't take time. That's it. And, and, and quite a lot of the time, um, even, you know, work with coders and stuff and they actually aren't aware of all these new tech things that are coming out. They're just very good at that particular language. Mm. So it's like, oh no, have you, you know, there's this new thing that Apple have just brought out called AR kit. And now we can do all these cool augmented reality things. And so it's like piecing all these different pieces together. But I guess I'm just a real big fan of technology generally. So I I got my finger on the pulse with what's new and current Mm. and always just uh, excited about. So essentially you're a producer. Yeah. Um, But as a producer in this realm, you need to, you know, know all of the capabilities that you've got at your disposal, yeah. at your disposal to create new things. I think I've kind of learned, like me and John have just like, oh, I guess we're sort of, yeah, like kind of creative producers because mm-hmm. it's it's having the vision of the piece and having, we're quite good at the moment of sort of coming up with new formats, mm-hmm. but we're also not very good at the actual s- script writing or like the kind of uh, mm-hmm. the nitty gritty of the story, but we're quite good at the sort of bigger picture and how the tech and the story melds together. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's the sweet spot you're looking for, isn't it? That's really what you're experimenting with. Yeah. How do you get yeah. traditional performance mm-hmm. to marry into these new immersive technologies yeah. as seamlessly as possible? And that is essentially, yeah, what we sort of do. I think I think with Megaverse, though, there's kind of two things. There's one, our own creative projects that we're trying to get funding for and off the ground. And then mm. we also have the more sort of commercial side of things that we do where a company will approach us and they, they want to do something with immersive technology. Um, usually it's virtual reality, but then we're like, Oh, have you thought about all these other different immersive tech kind of things? Is immersive tech actually needed? Like it's, it's about knowing all the tools in the sandbox and then mm-hmm. how to leverage them, but they're not always appropriate either. And mm-hmm. I think that's where we come in and we can kind of help guide yeah. people. Give that. people a bit more of an overview of what's possible and maybe yeah. steer them towards things that are more effective or cheaper. Or Yeah, exactly. Can I be impolite and ask how old you are? Um, 29. Good age. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I, people, that's it, carry on. No, but like people always think I'm, yeah, seem to think I'm younger than that. I've just turned 29. But, I did. Um, I did think you were slightly younger, but yeah. I, it was more that it was more the point you made about well, there's just uh, YouTube videos to watch and, and you can yeah. just learn stuff. Oh, I yeah. think that's uh, uh, the. I think more more people will grow up. Yes, <laughs> I'm not talking about you know you're 29, <laughs> but uh, but there is that that attitude will be well, well yeah of course I can just figure out VR that's that's fine I think that will be more prevalent in the future and it's probably more so now so there's that generation of people where YouTube is what 10, 10 15 years old mm. old enough 2006. Yep, 13. <laughs> it Quick math. Kind of worries me that you know the exact date. <laughs> That's because I'm not 29. What, <laughs> what about Friendster? <laughs> no, Friendster. <laughs> oh, what was that? 98. I was going back, isn't it? I don't know, Chris. I'm, I'm much younger than you, so I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, it's I, I, the way that I see it. Sometimes it's kind of it's almost like in the Matrix, you know, when you download all the different packs, and it's like, well, actually, in a way, you're fast tracking. Like you, you Google a specific. Uh, YouTube a specific problem and there's someone that's got a video on it and then suddenly it's it's solved and you don't have to do a six month course on it it's just like I need to learn that specific thing yeah um, but then eventually you do that enough times and you start to really understand how the games engine works or um, recently for Frankenstein we had to do some updates and one of the um, developers uh, we were working with in cinema 4d uh, it's like a yeah visual uh, 3d artist 
wasn't available. So John just had to pick up Cinema 4D <laughs> in like a day. Uh, you know, specific thing that he needs to do, but um, that was just through YouTube videos right. and stuff. Just watching videos on it yeah. and stand in. Yeah. And I think it's just, I think young people uh, generally decide, I guess it's not being afraid to just um, get stuck in and, you know, you usually find a solution quite quick. I was thinking the same about your arts background, whether that helps as well, that sense of, uh, of just, well, let's just give it a go, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think with theatre, there's definitely, I mean, I've always loved uh, what's called sort of devising theatre, where you get a bunch of actors in a room and a director and you have some themes to work around and play with, but then you go off and you create little scenes. Most of it's rubbish, mm -hmm. but there's like maybe, you know, 2% that then you're like, right, yeah, we're keeping that. And then that goes into it. So there's this sense of, Workshopping. You, workshopping, yeah, exactly. And I and and rapid prototyping and mm. um I think that sort of does translate quite well. So so you're you're looking for that experience, that creative experience, except using immersive technology. So yeah. that means you have to you have to be able to create three D environments quite quickly then. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm also the kind of uh, resident digital artist for National Youth Theatre okay. and we've been doing like a digital um, membership just been running that which is uh, supported by Nesta mm -hmm. they've got this accelerator program that we're on um, and I did this uh, we did this one week course over the summer where we basically just taught people how to kind of um, build immersive worlds using uh, virtual reality so they're really quickly building these things using a program called Tilt Brush. Mm -hmm. Google's, Google's 3D Tilt printing Brush. thing. Yeah, exactly. So you, you paint and you can build these worlds really quickly, but then they're FBX files that you can drop into a games engine. You could 3D print them if you wanted to. And suddenly they're doing CAD, but they're, but they're like being really creative with it because there's no but They're, uh, they're standing up. They're in a they're in a space yes. moving their bodies yes. painting yeah in three D in three D yeah. yeah and but what's amazing about it is suddenly they've got these mad crazy theatrical ideas that they can quickly paint and then you can do some sort of performance around it where then you know the audience puts on the headset um, and it's all tied in with the little piece that they've created um, and you know they're talking to the person whilst they're in the headset and there's a performance element going on and it's it's yeah, suddenly they're just be, being able to create completely new types of ideas and experiences with this tech. Yeah. So it's it's. Um, I've met a couple of them afterwards, and they've said I've bought head. I've bought a headset <laughs> since, and I've been uh, doing the tilt brush. And is that because the the technology is now kind of so usable that it's not a barrier anymore? Kind of the, you know, the the faff disappears, and it's just creating and talking and. Yeah. Communicating. One of the big game changes with VR is the Oculus Quest, which is um, it's a completely tetherless. You don't have to plug it into a computer. It's run on a mobile you know, processor, but it also has six degrees of freedom. So it means um, you literally just have to put on the headset and you can move around the, the, the space, you know, with your whole body. Um, so you've got no motion, motion sensors in the space tracking no. you. It's all tracked from the headset. All tracked from the headset. Um, what about hands? And um, so they're actually doing an update. I think it's coming out later this month, which is they're including, you'll be able to see your hands um, soon. And you'll also um, be able to, the, the, the game changer as well with the Oculus Quest is they're now, um, you can attach a cable to it and you can still plug it into a computer. So you can do the high end. Okay. So it's really versatile. 
So if you need more objects and or more graphic boost, yeah, 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 yeah. A, more fidelity, l- longer draw distance, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the fact that they can just kind of buy that now, I, I think that the one of the big things with virtual reality is it's it's really easy to understand. It's more easy to understand than screens where we're making these metaphors like tap and click mm. and things like that. Actually, you go in a headset and you start painting and it's one-to-one with your body and it's in- intuitive. And I think it's more, much more intuitive than having to learn abstract concepts of like in a CAD. When you're trying to do 3D modeling on a 2D screen, there's a yeah. dissonance there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're translating it. It's it's a it's it's a map to something that's real. Whereas yeah. you're able to manipulate the things in the space in mm-hmm. in, in VR. Yeah. So, um, what was it? Just over a year ago, you did the um, the work with Hallam, didn't you? Yes. In the, was it um, ex, ex, XR reality? Theatre Lab? Yeah. Yeah. Extended Reality Theatre Lab. Mm-hmm. So um, that was. Again, it's actually, we, we should have shouted about it more because it's actually quite like cutting edge because- You came and spoke about it at our showcase. Yes, a, yeah. A quick plug-in. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, again, what I wanted to do with that is take those ideas of traditional devising theatre, but then give the actors and the director all these extra tools. So suddenly, yeah, they can do these, build these worlds um, and we can change how the actors look. Um, essentially what we were doing there was we were, uh, using volumetric capture, which is creating holograms of the actors. So if you think, you know, Star Wars, Princess Leia, oh, and she sort of pops up, like we're creating 3d, um, captures of all the actors, but in live time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the crucial part of it. It's like now suddenly you can put on a headset and, uh, and the actors kind of remote somewhere else but you can see them right in front of you um, yeah, in live time. And what, op- what opportunities does that bring to kind of uh, storytelling? And you see them as, as clouds of dots. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So what you can do when you're, when you're capturing someone in 3D, obviously that is then a kind of game object that you can manipulate in the games engine. So we can affect uh, what's called like the shader of the performer to look like anything. They could look like a, you know, thousand dots, or they could look um, like watery characters. We can scale them up to be like giants, but all in real time. And that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's why it's really exciting to do that. Uh, One thing that came out of that was, um, I think, I don't know if you guys have been to many shows where the actors then look at you and almost expect you to kind of interact. And there's that kind of moment of dread of, I I don't want to, I don't know what to say. I don't want to really get involved. What was really interesting with the XR lab, uh, XR theater lab was when the audience member put on the headset, even though there was loads of people watching this interaction between the actor and the audience member. So there's quite a lot of pressure in a way to kind of perform, but they put on the headset, they completely forgot their surroundings and they had this really like meaningful connection uh, where they, they were fine to sort of open up and chat and kind of, I just thought that was really interesting that usually if that was without the headset and they had to have this yeah. thing where they felt like they were having to perform, it wouldn't have ever happened. So I think there's something really interesting. It felt like a private space, yeah. even though in the, re- in the real world, it wasn't yeah. a private everyone space was watching it um, <laughs> unfold. Um, so I thought, I think there's definitely something to explore there yeah. for sure. 
Yeah. Um, tell us about Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. So Frankenstein's a really interesting one. Um, National Youth Theatre sort of got in touch with us and um, said, uh, so they, they've they got this sponsor, Imagination, um, who are uh, yeah, based in London, big kind of uh, marketing and uh, advertising uh, agency. They donated uh, like 300 headsets to National Youth Theatre to do um, something kind of interesting with. And Why do they have 300? <laughs> so, um, so imagination do it. Uh, I think the last event that those headsets were useful was for a big event um, in, in America for Ford. It was like okay. a big car campaign thing. So they had all these headsets. Um, National Youth Theatre were going to be putting on this new adaptation of Frankenstein where it's all gender swapped. So instead of Victor Frankenstein, it's Victoria Frankenstein, the monsters um, called Shell after like Mary Shelley, Ghost in the Shell, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, at first, I kind of thought, right, this many headsets in a live theatre show, I'm not sure. Because <laughs> like, I just thought logistically, um, I did, I, the last thing, uh, I really hate things like 3D glasses and now put on your 3D glasses and it just feels cumbersome and it's kind of breaks the kind of spell. Mm. But I said, if we're going to do this and work with you to, make some VR content. We need to start t- chatting to the writer and the director from the get go to make sure the tech is embedded into the whole narrative mm-hmm. because I, I just, yeah. And, and the fact that the, like the headsets are not acknowledged in the experience as well, I think was super important, but essentially it's a world first. Like there's never been, so the max capacity of the theater, we've got like 300 headsets, but the max capacity is 233. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, in a way, maybe that doesn't sound like that much, but when you see that volume of headsets, <laughs> like in the theatre foyer before, you know, like it's crazy. It's a ton. It's a lot of headsets. Yeah. Well, at, um, least, at least that gives you some spares, and you know, yeah. for all the ones that don't work for whatever reason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the the interesting thing about this, uh, I guess, the the story and what Carl's uh, written with it is, um we've created inside the VR experience, uh, you're kind of seeing the world through the way that the robot sees the world. So in this mm-hmm. modern adaptation, um, the monster is an AI robot that, um, Victoria has made. Um, and so there's, there's different sections. You first get taken to the Arctic. And so we went to Greenland in, uh, in, uh, what month are we in now? November, November. We're in November. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, uh, we went early September. Okay. Um, yeah. So went out there, filmed all the ice caps and uh, like, oh my God. that was like, we really, uh, because we were filming in 360 and we, we were f- filming in 3d 360. So stereoscopic, um, we need to get really close to the ice to kind of give that 3d effect, but you're really not meant to like get that close. Cause that, you know, you could see off in the distance, ice just crumbling off. Um, and we had to, because we had a little speedboat and John would be sweet talking the kind of driver of the boat. And I, as I'd be holding the camera out and he's like, oh, can we just get a bit closer? And he'd play the different drivers off it to the like saying like, oh, Chris said you would go out this far. And he's like, and it, what it meant was we got super close to the oh ice and these shots are like stunning. Just kind of um, seeing, yeah, all this kind of. Um, this is where the ice shelf kind of meets the sea and yeah. crumbles. Yeah. Yeah, um, so we 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 filmed a lot of it in a place in Greenland called Ilulissat. Oh, 
Um, yeah. And then there's another place that we had to fly to because we wanted to walk on the ice sheets. Um, I can't, I can never pronounce the name of it, but um, it was hilarious because I had like, because it was just me and John going. Um, I had to be all the characters. <laughs> like, so we had to obviously film it, you know, um, in a way where you never see my face or whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, I had like costume changes out on the ice sheets, which was hilarious. Because well, you, you can see your body. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. Should, you just should have taken a documentary maker with yeah, you and documented this. It yeah. sounds incredible. We have got some cool images. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely show you some. Yeah. We've got quite a few good snaps from it. Um, so that's the first section of the VR. Right. So, so the, the audience will be able to look down at themselves, yeah. at the body of the, of the monster walking around on, on so, ice in Greenland. Well, so how, how the first bit works is it like kind of sets the scene of this Arctic expedition. <laughs> so anyone knows Frankenstein, that's how it's all, that's how it all starts and it all sort of ends this Arctic expedition and they find the monster, they find okay. Victoria, uh, Victor or Victoria Frankenstein out on the ice. Um, so actually the first section this is, is like, just the, these... like the thing meets Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, it's actually the first section is just epic shots of the ice caps and you've got the kind of sound that goes with that. Then the second section is, um, Victoria's sort of rescue. And it's kind of like this handheld CCTV, CCTV footage kind of style thing where you see lots of different screens popping up in the headset. Um, did we see a monster out on the ice and it kind of zooms in? It's like minority report kind of thing. Um, after that, we then go into the mind of Shell, the robot, and we have this boot sequence that sort of loads up. Um, and meets Robocop. Yeah, it's it it gets yeah. That's it's hilarious because we had um, two hundred thirty-three school kids in the other day, and they just went crazy. Like they were absolutely like it's like a roller coaster. And they would just scream every like scene transition. They were Brilliant. going mad. And I feel like that's what it's all about. Like they just absolutely loved it. So, so you, you use the VR at the very beginning of the... Nope. No? No, it's actually, um, this is what uh, Carl and Emily uh, sort of wanted, but it's the first half happens uh, without any okay. VR, apart from the actors on the stage do a bit of VR. Um, it's kind of embedded into the show. But it, like, yeah, so... Y the audience don't do any VR until the second half and quite far into the second half. Huh. So basically at half time, the audience all, all leave the the, um, the theater, the VR team come out, put all, um, and, and all the actors uh, and put all the, the headsets under all the chairs. Okay. And then, um, yeah, when the audience come back in, there's a headset under each chair and everybody. Yeah. Ready. Um, all fully charged and ready to go. Yeah. All fully charged. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the logistics of, getting all of that stuff charged and there's a matinee and then there's an evening show, you know, battery life's two and a half hours and it's not just charging the headset, it's charging the remote as well. Right. Um, and if you, if the remote goes, you, the content goes. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's logistically really challenging, but it's working like it. We've actually managed to do it and it's taken a few previews to kind of get it smooth. But if any headsets, for instance, aren't working when uh, the audience member just simply puts up their hand mm -hmm. and um, an actor hands them out a new one. And okay. within the first 30 seconds of watching the Arctic stuff, everyone's in. Right. Um, which is, I just think is a massive feat in itself. Yeah. Uh, real credit to the team. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody has to experience it in a theatre, don't they? I mean, you yeah. can't have someone whose headset doesn't work. No, exactly. Game over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
but the the when you go into sort of Shell's brain, um, we kind of looked at like how lidar scanners work on sort of smart cars and like the aesthetic of that. Uh-huh. Um, so we filmed a whole um, w- one of the scenes um, using volumetric capture. Love mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, depth sensing and stuff. Um, but then we added this sort of lidar aesthetic. So you've got all these different sort of particles, and and the way. Uh, Shell sees the different actors. We've we've drawn these sort of like uh, uh, purple boxes around them. So it's like that's an object, that's an object, and so uh, and that was just taken inspiration from yeah, literally like uh, how s- smart cars do object yeah, recognition yeah. and yeah. stuff. And so you're taking some of the visual vocabulary that people are starting to see in other f- films and yeah. on TV shows and that kind of thing. So they understand the idea yeah. just with those visual cues. I'm Absolutely. loving this so much. How, <laughs> how long does Frankenstein run for? It's on till the end of November. Right. So in London. In London at Southwark Playhouse. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you're not going to see another show like it. Um, and, and Well, hopefully we will, because you know, <laughs> hopefully you'll carry yeah, hopefully on. after this. <laughs> but it's one of those things where some, like it, Someone just needed to do it, and 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 mm. and I think Frankenstein is just like the perfect show to include something like virtual reality. Um, and it's the VR stuff. It's kind of in, in Shell's brain. It's all about uh, emotions. How do you feel? And so in the VR, you're it's kind of trying to unpack that. At one point, you go inside her brain and you see all the different synapses triggering. Um, yeah. So. That's been uh, that's been quite a challenging one, but yeah, so, we're there with it now. So, so, um, so you just had the press launch this week, didn't yes. you? So this is, you know, the first reviews must be starting to come in. Yeah, and yeah, this, and this is really hot off the press, really, isn't it? This is yeah, brand new. you heard it here first, yeah. folks. <laughs> Absolutely, like it's VR stuff going great. Got us, uh, but like we've, it's it's kind of been mixed. It's like um, I think on the whole, like. Um, they're saying like as well that the actual actors and the ensemble kind of thing is like super tight. They're they're a really really good cast, and this is National Youth Theatre rep company. So they're actually doing this show, but they're kind of alternating. They're also doing great expectations as well. Um, but they they're 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 super strong, and some like standout performances from uh, Victoria Frankenstein and the the monster Shell. They're just their energy between them. It's like. Uh, it's it, it's amazing, um, but yeah, and um, yeah, we've been getting some good things. Uh, what what's the kind of critical reaction to the tech to the to, to whether this works or not yeah. as an, as a, a new format? So I mean, what one of them was kind of like you know if if you haven't done VR before, this is like a really great introduction to VR. So from mine and John's point of view, we're like, okay, cool, the content's definitely worked. Um, no, I think like on the whole, like people have been saying it really works. Um, I, like, I think, I think still, um, some people are kind of saying that, you know, how it's a really cool thing, but then how does it still quite embed into the whole show? Uh, you know, but I think it, I think it does really well. And I think actually how the actors handle the onboarding of all the headsets and taking them off and how it integrates is pretty, is pretty smooth. Um, you know, We've all we've all been to kind of like uh, I don't know different events where you've got headsets and how clunky that can mm. be, and when you're having to click buttons and it doesn't work. This is you know we've got all those people just putting on the headset and experiencing the content, and then 
you kind of get ejected from the experience and it says signal lost and then the the plates carries on and then everyone's it's in it's just interesting that they know what to do right. you know what i mean like they're putting on the headsets they're, they're all the headset doing on. they're all clicking the back wheel to kind of right. tighten it no like like yeah it's so so in the first half the actors use the headsets yeah and so, so they sort of see, see it there right yeah. so so yeah. you're learning a lot about yeah you know, how to skill people up like tutorial yeah. how the logistics work how and making sure they're all orientated like yeah. um so the calibration and stuff the calibration yeah so because obviously if the content's facing behind them it's it's kind of like you know obviously most it's all in 360 but then there's obviously we've directed ah. some bits to be so is the theater in the round no so the theater is uh traverse so you've got audience on one side okay um the actors in the strip in the middle and then um, audience on the other side. So the audience are facing, so they're each, facing other. each other. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of great because I kind of think, uh, you know, if anyone takes a peek and sees everyone, like there's something quite theatrical <laughs> about having that many people in, in headsets, yeah. you know. Um, but but that does mean that they're, they're looking opposite directions. Yeah. So on. that means, yeah, you've got to sync um, one half separately to the other half. Um, again, the VR team are like amazing. They're just, there's sort of... Um, uh, Claudia, who's sort of leading the team. And then we've got ad, uh, a lot of our digital members that kind of came on the course that I ran over the summer are coming in and, and helping volunteer on different days to sort of just make, make it work. So, so do you have, do you have one set of headsets for one side and one set of headsets for the other side? And so when the actors swap headsets, because someone's is not working, they have to make sure that they choose one from the yeah, right it, part of the... It is fairly easy to sync if you know what you're doing there. You just have to like face it the right way click the button, uh, click the button. Ah, okay. So, it's so the not, actors do this. Yeah. Okay. The actors do that as well. Yeah. And basically if, if there's something really going wrong with a the headset, then, uh, the actors just hand it to the VR team and then the VR team then give them another okay. headset. But it, you know, we, we kind of didn't want the VR team to, we wanted the actors to take control of it as much as they can, because we yeah. still want it to be within the performance. Well, yeah. So. But it's also, it's also more interesting for, from the audience point of view, like when, when a roadie comes out and does something, yeah. it kind of breaks the spell, doesn't it? But Absolutely. when an actor's doing it, you feel much more privileged and important. Yeah. And yeah. And the kind of vibe, like there's a sort of vibe of the show that is, if you've seen sort of um, humans on channel yeah. four, it's kind of got that sort of vibe to it. So very like ultra tech um, synth kind of okay. uh, robots. And so they actually got the movement director from humans to work with the cast. So there's some really cool robotic sort of movement stuff. So some of the, some of the cast members are playing synthetic humans yes. as well. Yeah. So yeah. you get helped into your headset. Uh -huh. by, by the synthetic. Yeah. That's yeah. So they're all like robots when they're handing out the headsets. Right. Yeah. Wow. I really want to see <laughs> yeah. it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we've got loads more to ask you. Um, yeah. You're also working on something called flood. Yeah. So this is another thing, doing lots with National Youth Theatre at the moment, which is, uh, which is really cool. Um, I, was, I did National Youth Theatre when I was younger. Um, I, I was in the Olympics, did that. Andy Murray was in my little cluster of when we had, basically we, we were based in the Olympic Village and uh, as all the athletes came in and were welcomed into the village, we did a little performance for them. And uh, I think he liked it. <laughs> Don't know. It's um, hard to tell with him sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so Flood is this, it kind of actually continues on from um, the XR Theatre Lab, this idea of live streaming um, actors into the VR world. Um, so Flood is, 
it was a show, a stage show that National Youth Theatre have already made okay. and that it was performed in Hong Kong. Um, and we've now a- a- adapted it to be this like mixed reality um, experience. Um, and we got, essentially we got onto this program called Creative XR, which is run by Digital Catapult um, and Arts Council. Um, and we got uh, given 20K to develop a prototype piece for Flood. Um, Flood is essentially about, it's kind of around sort of global warming, climate change, and uh, a group of young people left to pick up the pieces of humanity's negligence, essentially, sort of. Um, but in this XR version of it, you actually experience the flood. So there's a, this massive wave that comes in, and it's that sensation in the headset of going above and below the water. Oh, yeah. my worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, actually, we did, um, when we d- uh, did the demo of it, there was um, a woman there that has this massive fear of, you know, like water and stuff. Oh, did and she freak out? She she was okay. She was okay. Like she like when the big wave sort of came over her, but like like it there there definitely was a visceral response, especially to the water under and over. But it wasn't like it's it, it's trying to tweak it, isn't it? Just so we don't want people to be like ripping off the headsets, but like you want it to be ex- ex- kind of terrifying. exciting and terrifying yeah. <laughs> to a certain extent. Um, but in this version of flood that we've, uh, the prototype that we've made, we've basically done the first scene, which is you, uh, the format is you plus seven other people. So eight people in total, you, you have a VR backpack. So the computer's contained within the backpack and you've got a headset. Um, so in a sense, it's tetherless. You just, you've just got the backpack on. Mm-hmm. You walk into a 20 by 20 meter play space. It's a big old space. And in the headset, you, you're dropped into this um, city on the brink of collapse, essentially. Um, like it's, uh, it's not rained in, in years. Um, and you can just explore the world. And what I wanted to do with that is kind of have that immersive theatre aspect where you've got some autonomy. Um, and then the actors start, like then the, you hear the kind of thunder and lightning and the rain starts to fall. Um, and then the actors kind of wake up and it's like, it's raining and it's this big celebration. And suddenly there's this kind of like rain dance thing and and, and you you get involved in in dancing with the actors. Uh, so the actors are performing this live yes, as well, yes, but so not in the same space. No. So the actors are in, in, in the headset with you, but they're actually remote. Physically. Physically, yeah. Yeah. So then, and, and then essentially the two uh, main characters, they, they, they get really caught up in this dance and everyone else is, heads back in because it's getting a bit intense, all this rain and stuff. And then the water level starts rising and it kind of goes up to your sort of neck. And it's kind of, the sound changes obviously when you go uh, above and below the water, but then this big sort of wave hits you and then you, you go underwater. And that's where the sort of quest element begins. <laughs> Uh, and and so it's interactive in the sense that now you, along with the main characters, have to find dry land. Um, so well, it, what's yeah. the artwork like for that? Are we talking? Because that sounds like a, like a Hollywood movie yeah. kind of uh, artwork to make it feel like it's really you're really there and terrifying. So where are we on the scale of Avengers and <laughs> the very first Zelda? Yeah, yeah, really good. <laughs> yeah, question. Like actually, what I find generally. Um, with VR, like the stuff that works really well is stuff that doesn't try to recreate reality uh, and kind of lends itself more to a more graphic, uh, like 
artistic aesthetic as opposed to this sort of hyper real thing because there's this un, you know thing uncanny valley mm -hmm. where if it's, it's if you if it's slightly off then you don't believe it mm. um so actually why try and do that you can build all these amazing abstract interesting environments with and fewer you, polygons for a few a lot fewer polygons exactly so it's, it runs smoother so we've got i don't know if you play the game inside by play dead I have yeah so that is essentially the vibe that we've gone for. Okay, the aesthetic. Well that's, that's terrifying in its own way. <laughs> yeah. So it's lots of like volumetric lights. Um, yeah, very, uh, yeah, it's quite dark, brooding and atmospheric and kind of got that graphical style of inside. Um, and we worked with a guy who was an environment and lighting artist for Battlefield um, okay. game. Mm -hmm. And he just, we basically... Uh, we did this thing called sort of kit bashing in Unity where you essentially get loads of different assets from the asset store. You stick them together, almost like, you know, Lego, um, but just, you know, um, and so we got the environment made how we sort of wanted it. But then it was like, we need to cohesively tie all these textures and the lighting and everything together. Um, so yeah, he, he just then really made it kind of um, that vibe, that kind of... Uh, Inside magic dust. Yeah, he was great. We, you know, he only spent a few days on it, but what he could do in that time is that is that because um, it was it was just an experiment with the with some seed money from yeah from the program, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but is 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 that actually your process now? Is that is that a good way of of doing it, or would you ordinarily, you know, if it comes to proper production, build it all from scratch? I think you know what I think. There's this whole kit bashing idea is really good as a kind of um, approach to just get the gist of what you want. And then it's like, now let's go in and refine. And I, I know, for instance, I, I brought up Tilt Brush earlier. Mm. And I know um, a Tilt Brush artist that's based in Leeds who works for a game studio. And if they're doing a game in VR, she will firstly, to get all the sizing and right. stuff right, she will firstly do a, like a wire frame in Tilt Brush. Then she'll hand it to her 3D modeler. Mm. Uh, to, and they'll build all the assets. Yeah, and they'll build based it on those. based off it, yeah. Because it's to scale. Um, because I think quite often in VR games, when you've tried to do ports from, uh, it's been built traditionally and then you put on a headset, everything looks slightly weird and off because, you know, you haven't built it with those sizes mm. in place. Yeah. Uh, can we very briefly, before we have to uh, clock off, yeah. ask you about uh, Sheffield and uh, yeah. and Immerse Sheffield, which is a meetup. Sure. Why, 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 why would you organise a local meetup? Who would do such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> How, what made you want to do it? Yeah. Okay. So I guess I, I was going to, um, there's a VR meetup in Manchester. Um, and cause I'm obsessed with all this stuff, you know, I was going there and I went to a one in London called VRLO and they were doing all really interesting stuff. And I was like, why don't we have one in Sheffield? There's enough makers do it, doing kind of uh, VR and XR and this type of content. We should have our own. I think it kind of just stemmed from there. And there was like a few others of us that agreed. Um, and, and, and I kept kicking you about it. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, Chris would just be pestering now and again. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, we've got to, got to sort it out. And eventually we were just like, right, let's just do it. And um, yeah, we've had some really, we've had some great speakers there um, already. Like Rosie, the Tilt Brush artist that I mentioned, she came over and um, uh, yeah, she she spoke about her process. And so what I've I, what we've tried to do is kind of take bits from the Manchester one, bits from the London one, but sort of, have our own spin on it as well, where it's 
kind of 20 minute talks and we usually do um, two talks um, per meetup and then there's time for kind of networking and then some demos of the content as well. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a chance for people to get like hands on with the tech, but also just hear what different people in the sort of uh, kind of local area are doing with the tech. Just, just a chance for like, yeah, people just to, um, so sometimes like in the city, like we're all doing our own little things and it's just a time to just sort of meet up and just chat about, yeah, what we're doing. What sort of people would come to Immerse Sheffield? Techie, artsy, somewhere in the middle, just you? Because you seem like quite a, <laughs> quite a unique set of skills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I think it's actually, it's a mixture. Um, I do a bit of uh, guest lecturing at, Sheffield Hallam Uni. So we get some students that come from there and some of the lecturers uh, that are doing stuff with VR. And actually we, we had Ivan in who's doing a lot Freeman. of stuff in, yeah, that's it. Yeah. He came in and did a talk about his um, work in the healthcare sector. Um, but then, yeah, we get quite artsy people in as well. I, I think it depends on the lineup, but because I'm obviously then from that kind of theater creative thing, I'm always pushing more of that sort of content. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Laura Smith from Slanted Theory is a co-organiser as well, she isn't is, it? I mean, yeah. She's, she's not arts. It's more data visualisation. Yeah. So, and she did a fantastic talk on the first one as well about, yeah, um, yeah about, yeah, her, uh, yeah, the experiences that they're doing. And, and then we've got Martin as well, um, who, who sort of traverses a bit of both. Mm-hmm. He's, um, he's a developer, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's a good mix. I think we're all kind of bringing in different people. Um, and we've got a kind of, um, obviously I know the guys at DocFest quite well as well. So I think it's just kind of, um, building those relationships and yeah, but it's, it's good. And there's free beer. Um, <laughs> it's always free beer. Yeah. It's got, I think it's got Try. to be. When's the next one? The next one will be later this month. It's the third Thursday every other month. So the date, third Thursday of this month, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, but it's not on the calendar yet. It's not on the calendar yet. It will be. Oh, it, it will on the be. Calendar. It will be. I think it's. It'll be. Uh, uh, I feel like it'll be. Chris, while we're waiting, first. can you remember when uh, MySpace started? 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> Going back now. Uh, yeah, 2000. I, I have no idea. What about Bebo? Let's just say yes. Yeah, Bebo. Chris? <laughs> this is a terrible way of killing time. The date you're looking for is probably the 21st of November. Yeah, 21st. Yeah. That's the one. And uh, yeah, we've already getting some, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of sort of potential speakers lined up, but we'll be confirming all of that in the next sort of week. And we'll get that out on Twitter. Fantastic. I think that's it. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> that was really, really interesting. I think yeah, we could just, have carried on for much longer. It's fascinating that this kind of thing is happening and happening in Sheffield as well. I mean, you know, we, the sort of creative and cultural tech mm. part of Sheffield's digital ecosystem is is doing some really interesting stuff. Um, and I guess the more we can do to kind of draw attention to it, the better. So, yeah, it's really exciting. Well done, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, Cheers. Ben. No worries. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. Of course, if you want to subscribe to uh, Sheffield Digital Podcast, which is a very sensible thing to do, you can do that by going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to subscribe to podcasts. You can also go and listen to all the previous episodes. Go to sheffield.digital slash podcast and uh, spread the word. Tell your pals, tell your colleagues, tell anyone, anyone you can find. Random strangers on the street. People on the streets. AI people, anyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a thing, is it? Let's leave it there. We'll be soon.